So I want to start by asking a question, um, and the question is, what are you looking forward to? What in life are you looking forward to? Uh, hands up if you're looking forward to Christmas. Some, though definitely not all of us, are looking forward to Christmas. Uh, hands up if you're looking forward to lunch. I'm not <laughs> Uh, if you're looking forward to, um, let's think, say like your next holiday, next time you go on holiday. Uh, these are all good things to look forward to, the kind of things that, that motivate us and that help, you know, kind of drive us on. But what, let me ask you perhaps a little deeper. When you think about the future, uh, what is it that drives you? That's what we're thinking about today. When you think about the future, what, what is it that drives you? What is it that motivates you? What is it that, that gets you up in the morning, that, that, that gives you energy to do what you do. Uh, perhaps it might be an exam um, that you've got coming up that you think, right, I need to focus my attentions on that. Perhaps it might be a, a job situation. Uh, maybe there's a sort of job you're applying for or a promotion opportunity or a particular kind of goal that you might have um, in, your, in your working life. What is, it that you're, what is it that you're living for? What is it you're working towards? Do you actually find that you're driven by vision? Is vision for the future something that inspires you uh, in your day-to-day life? Are you an optimist or a pessimist when you think about the future? Or maybe you'd say, I'm a realist. <laughs> I won't do a straw poll on that one. But uh, some, some people, when you look towards the future, there's, there's lots of different things that you can think. And I think for, for many, particularly you know, if we look around the world on a global scale... You could argue quite strongly um, from any, any kind of media or news outlet that you might look at that there's not much cause for optimism, uh, that there's a lot of uncertainty in the world about what's going to happen in the future. Uh, and there's a lot of, of conflict, there's a lot of bad news on our news screens. And I think the tone would generally be one that you could say is pessimism, perhaps, um, uh, about the future, about what the future will hold for us. On a kind of, on an individual scale, sometimes you might hear people say, or maybe you said this, or, or you might hear people say, well, if I could just win the lottery, if my numbers could just come in, then we'll be sorted, then it'll be all right. So that's what you hope towards in the future. Or maybe you're kind of very philosophical. So I remember when, when I was in an old job and we had the threat of redundancy um, over our jobs, a, a thing that you'd hear people say a lot in the office was, well, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see, etc. And that's, that's a way that sometimes people approach the future. Whatever will be, will be. We can't change it. We can't uh, uh, kind of influence it. So therefore, we may as well just make the best of it. Well, let me rephrase the question again. Now I've got you thinking a little bit about this whole area. Let me rephrase it in terms of hope. Because hope is a word that speaks of the future, that helps us to think about the future. What are you hoping for in the future? Perhaps that's a bit of a deeper question. What are you hoping for? What do you hope will happen? And particularly as you think from the point of view of your walk with God, your knowledge of God being a Christian, as, as most of us here are, what is it you are hoping for? What, what do you hope will happen in the future? And I think, and I, I say this with all honesty, we can easily kind of fall into this, that a lot of what we can hope about as a Christian is around kind of what we would like to see happen, what we would want to see, the things we're asking God for. So maybe, you know, we, we hope for that God will give us the life we want. Uh, ultimately, we hope that God will give us the life we want. We hope that God will give us the health we want. Uh, we hope that God will give us the bank balance we want. 
we hope that God will give us the spouse we want or the children that we want. And maybe, if you're honest, um, that's kind of where you're at and that's what you're thinking about and that's what drives you. That's the thing that you're hoping for for the future. Well, let me rephrase the question once more and this time I just want to want to frame it in a what I think is a, perhaps a more positive and perhaps more healthy and fruitful way to think about the future. And the question is this, what are you hoping God will do through you? What are you hoping that God will do through you? As you think about the future, as you look towards the future, as maybe you think 2018, new year coming up, next five years, I don't know if you're the kind of person, that I'm, I'm a bit of a planner, so I, I kind of tend to think in terms of five-year plans and things like that. Doesn't, not everyone does, but uh, maybe as you plan, you think about the next season of your life, the next kind of uh, bit of time in your life. What are you hoping that God will do through you? And that's a question I'd like us to kind of dwell on a little bit today. Now, I've talked a little bit about as we look at the world and we see um, perhaps there's not a lot of cause for hope. Is it any different for us as Christians? For us as, as Christians, as believers in Jesus and as the church, should our attitude be any different towards the future? Is the future bright for us as we think about the future? Do we have a reason to be hopeful? What do you think? Good. <laughs> Good to hear that as a, as a positive answer because the answer is a resounding yes. And that's what I want to preach this morning. I want to kind of really uh, show, hopefully, with God's help, that the, the answer to that question is a resounding yes. There is much hope for us as Christians as we think about the future. But that hope is not on the basis of our wishful thinking or on the basis of our own desires or on the basis of, our, of any sort of naive positivity that doesn't take into account the brokenness of the world. It's on the basis of revelation. Is on the basis of revelation that comes from God. You see, God, who made the world and everything in it, he has spoken to us with great clarity and with great power, and he's given us great reason for hope for the future, for hope for our lives and for hope for our church. And what I want to do, just, just as we move on into this next bit, is just to take a moment to review the basis we have to be optimistic about the future. And this is important where we're going. So I want, I want to remind us of the incredible foundation that we have and the incredible truth um, of what we can look forward to and how we can look forward with great hope as Christians. Now just before I launch into this, um, it could be true to say that the ultimate hope for us as Christians springs from Jesus' resurrection. Okay, We follow and we, we believe in, we follow a Lord, a captain um, who we believe and we know is risen from the dead. He died on the cross 2,000 years ago, but then three days later, he rose. He came out of the tomb. The tomb was empty. Death had no hold over him anymore. He defeated death. He rose from the dead. And that is something that obviously is a foundation for everything we believe. And the, the, the wellspring of our hope comes from that fact, that truth, that historical thing that happened. Jesus rose from the dead and therefore has victory over death. He lives forever and, and therefore he has the power to grant life after death to those who follow him and confess him as Lord and who bow the knee. And that's the thing, that's the wonderful thing that he's given us, isn't it? Those who know him, those who believe in him, we have that hope, that hope of eternal life, that hope of resurrection beyond the grave, of, 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 of a resurrected life. So that's the ultimate hope 
And we could just leave it there. We could just dwell on that for the rest of our time. Hallelujah. We have an amazing hope that goes beyond the grave. Death has no longer has any sting for us. But is, is that it, though? The, the question I think I want to home in a little bit on um, is, do we have reason to be hopeful for this life? Um, do we have reason to hope for what we might see with our own eyes, what we might see God do here during our lifetime, during our time here on earth? So I'm going to just go through some references that, that talk about this. But before I do, I'd just love to, love to pray. Father, we just invite your presence here. Thank you that you're here already. But thank you for each person here. Thank you for our um, history with you. Thank you for all that you've shown to us. Thank you for um, us as a church, as a body here, Church Central West. Lord God, we just ask you that you come now by your spirit. I pray for revelation. Um, Lord, you plant your word in our hearts. You give us faith, Lord. You uh, open our hearts to receive what you have for us. Amen. Amen. So, for each one of us, there's a number of things that the New Testament says that are true, if you're a follower of Jesus. So, he has made us new creations, it says. We are new creations in Christ. The old has gone and the new has come. There's something new about us. Uh, Some of you may be well aware of that if you had a sort of conversion experience and you had a a dramatic change from being a non-Christian to believing. For those of you who've maybe grown up with it, Um, and you kind of can't really track back as to when you became a Christian, it's still as true for you. You're a new creation in Christ. The old life, the old sinful way of life has gone, and the new has come. So we've been made new. We're created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So these new lives we've been given in Christ, the new life that he's, he's, he's won for us, are designed to be lived out like God in true righteousness and holiness. We are also, therefore, God's handiwork. We are God's workmanship. We've been recreated in Christ for good works, which God has prepared for us in advance for us to do. We have been given, it says, everything we need for a godly life. These are all just foundational things that the Bible says about us. These are all truth of God's word. New creation in Christ, given everything we need for a godly life. The old has gone, the new has come. God's prepared good works for us to do in advance. As if that wasn't encouraging enough, we also have the Spirit of God living inside us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead and a greater power than any spiritual force in this world is living inside of each one of us and is with us right now as we gather as God's people. That is hugely significant. So in the, in the unseen realm, in the spiritual realm, the demons are shuddering right now at this gathering. That is the truth. That is the truth. However you feel about it, that's the truth. God is here by his spirit and he's in each one of us. He's also given us liberal access to the word of God. You can access the Bible in any kind of language or any kind of translation uh, through the internet. We've got Bibles here. We don't have restricted access to the Bible in this country. We have access to the Word of God, which is powerful and useful for us in teaching us and training us in righteousness. We have been called, we have been equipped, we've been chosen to bear fruit. Feel free to amen and whoop and stuff if you wish to. (laughs) We've been prepared and we've been sent out by Jesus. 
So that's a bit about us as individuals, but also we belong to a body of people that are chosen by God, that are royal, that are holy, that are his own body on earth, his temple on earth. We're his representatives, his ambassadors, his army. We live our lives in a kingdom that is not of this world, but a kingdom that is breaking in increasingly. It's a kingdom that was foretold throughout the Bible story. It's a kingdom that was promised to Abraham, that was promised to David. It was modelled in part through the nation of Israel throughout early history. It's a kingdom that starts small, that looks insignificant at first. But, as prophesied by Daniel, it's one that is like a mountain that rises to overthrow all human kingdoms and which will eventually fill the whole earth. And this kingdom was announced and inaugurated through the coming of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. And he has given the keys of this kingdom to his disciples. He said that to them at the time. And after his death and resurrection, he sent them out. He said, go, I'm with you to the ends of the age. You will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And for us, today in 2017, we've been grafted into that kingdom. And with these words of Jesus echoing in our ears, we get to go out. We get to carry on this great commission. Go to all nations, preach the gospel, baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We get to be the church. We get to be the body of people through which God's multicolored wisdom is revealed to the whole world. Both the unseen and the seen powers in the world. And finally, we have been given an amazing vision of the future where the King, Jesus, will return for his church. We will be with him forever, part of a multitude that no one can count from every single nation, from every single tribe and tongue on the earth. Finally made perfect. With all the mess and the muck and the sin and the death and the illness and everything that's wrong about the world, gone. There, worshipping and enjoying him forever. We've got reason to be hopeful about the future. Yes, I think we do. I think we do. There's more. (laughs) One of the things that the ascended Christ uh, has done in this age is uh, he has given gifted people to his church to help build it up. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. That's Ephesians 4, by the way. I ran out of space on the slide. But through the spiritual gift of prophecy and through gifted, uh, prophetically gifted people, we as a church have received some specific instructions and specific leading from God about the part that we here at Church Central are to play in God's sort of eternal purposes. Okay, so you may have heard these things many times before, but I'm just going to share them with you again because this is God's word to us as a church this is how God has spoken to us and where he's leading us and taking us as a, as a local church here in, in Birmingham so he's told us that he has many people for us in this city that's many people for us to love many people for us to show his grace and his love to many people for us to reach out to many people for us to have the privilege of leading into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ baptizing, discipling, many people, many people for us in this city. When he, when he said that word, nigh on 20 years ago now, the church was only about 10 people or 20 people. So we're already seeing that happen. 
You know, we now meet across three sites. Uh, and it's not about us, it's not about size, it's not about numbers, but it's about God speaking to us and giving us vision that we then follow and walk into. He's also said that he's making us to be a na- like a national exhibition centre for the display of his glory. He's also given us the vision and spoken in terms of Jesus being the most talked about person in Birmingham. That's, that's what, what we want to see, that's what we exist for. We also want to be for the good of our city. We want to do our city good. We don't, just want to, we don't just want to be about this gathering here or the other sites. We don't want to be just about building the church. We want to be about building the city. We want about being for the good of the city. Boy, does our city need some help. Does it need some, 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 some good done to it? We can do that. We are called by God to do that. And also to impact nations both here and beyond, which is also something that is starting to happen in different ways, as, as you'll know. So those are some of the historical words, but more recently he's also spoken to us about being something of a heartland for social justice and care in the community. That's a, that's a recent word from the last sort of six months or so that he's spoken to us as a, as a church. He's also talked about an acceleration about to take place in our growth. That's another recent uh, prophetic word that's come to us as a church. So... I'd like to ask you for a, for a moment to dream with me. To dream with me on the basis of all of this amazing stuff that God has said. What could the future hold if God really came through on all these promises? What, what, what could really happen? What, what could the future be like? As we think about the future, as we think about what we're hoping for, what we're aiming for, can we expect in, I don't know, six months, a year's time, for just this to be static, this to be the same? Or, or can we expect for something else? Can we expect for something different based on what God has said? And I, and I would love to invite you and encourage you to dream now, but also off the back of this. And I'd love to hear your dreams. I'd love to hear the things that you want to see happen, the things that you are believing God for, the things that God's laying on your heart um, that you'd love to see for the church. Um, and for us as, as, as a West site, I know many of you have dreams and vision. Many of you have got things that you're running with that are happening because of God putting vision in you. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful to see, but I'd love to invite you to keep dreaming. Well, let me tell you a little bit about what I'm believing for, what I think it could look like for us here at, at Church Central West site, what I'm hoping we'll see. Uh, a couple of months ago, I spoke in terms of growth. Um, God's speaking to us about growth, about a season of growth. Uh, I would like to take that prophetic word that he's spoken to us as a church about accelerated growth and grab that for us here at the West. I'd love to see that. Okay, so uh, what does growth look like? Well, it, it looks like more people believing in Jesus and being added to us, quite simply, number one. It looks like growth in what you might call demonstrations of the kingdom of God. So I, I feel like the L plates are on when it comes to things like praying for healing, uh, seeing miracles, uh, oh, I, I'm not an expert in that stuff, <laughs> but I would love to see it. I'd love to see it more. And I think as we create space for, for prayer and as we, as, as we faithfully just keep praying for the sick, stepping out in this stuff, we will see it happen because God is with us and he said that that's what his kingdom looks like when it comes. So growth in demonstrations of the kingdom, growth in, I suppose, our experience of our maturity in the miraculous. Growth in our unity, in our community, is something we've spoken about before as well. For us as, as a body to, to, to be and to act more like, increasingly like, 
a body, <laughs> a unit, a group of people that's together. So for our relationships, for our unity together, for our, for our community together to grow as well. Growth in our spiritual maturity and discipleship. And that is, that's a huge one. It's about, it's about us as a body growing in Jesus, growing in our spiritual maturity. That's something that I pray for regularly. Growth in our generosity, growth in our mission and outreach, and growth ultimately in our fruitfulness as a, as a church and as a, as a body. Now, imagine what that might actually look like. Okay, so it all sounds great. Sometimes with vision, it can, there can be a moment where it kind of becomes detached, and suddenly it sounds all big and lofty up there, and it's detached from, from what you're thinking. And maybe even as I speak of things like, imagine the room full, imagine this room full to the back. Perhaps there's a bit of you that thinks, I'm not really sure about that. <laughs> Do I really want that? Do I want to be part of a kind of big church or have lots of more people that I don't know? Or maybe for my kids, do I want them to not have the space they, to, to, to run around or whatever it is? But, but imagine what that could look like. Okay, the, this room full, imagine if it was full of your friends. Imagine if it was full of your neighbours, of the people that you know and love. Imagine if it was full of, of, of the, those that, that you are helping to bring in. And that, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I want to see. I think God is using us, God has placed us in good places and I think there's people that are going to come in who we know. I think as well, regular healings. If the kingdom is growing, if the kingdom is being demonstrated here through healings and signs and miracles, then that's the kind of thing that word spreads about. And I would love it if people came, imagine if people came to this church and you were on the door and the welcome team and someone came in and said, I've heard that this is a place where God heals. That's why I've come. That is that is a good reason to come to church, and I would love to see that. <laughs> a place where people who are crippled by debt, but who now have hope in Jesus, and through CAP find family and support here. And not just through CAP, but the other things we're involved with. I just love this. As I've said before, I'd love this West Site to be uh, a place for the poor, a church for the poor, a place where the poor can come in and find family, find support. There's lots of other things we could say as well. A community where we experience a shared sense of belonging, of each person fulfilling a God-given role, using their spiritual gifts, growing, stepping out in them. A sense of the kingdom being demonstrated that's so tangible you can almost reach out and touch it. I'd love just to, just to see us move into that kind of stuff. And obviously this isn't just about Sundays. It's not just about this gathering. It's not just about this this meeting, of course not, the church is more than a meeting, it's, it's us as, as people. So we gather on Sundays and we gather in life groups, but for the rest of the week, we're scattered, aren't we? We're out there, out there in your jobs, out there in your lives, in your context, and that's where the rubber hits the road. That's where it can be challenging and hard to, harder to live as Christians. And yet what I see and what I believe for is for such an overflow of the kingdom through us uh, as we go out and live it in our lives that we see impact in those areas as well. So if you think about the spread of each of the people here, there's Birmingham City Centre, you've got the business community there, you've got Hales-Owen, Bearwood here, more locally, Smethwick, Northfield, Albury, Edgbaston, Quinton, these are the kind of places where we, we are. And then you've got other places like hospitals, schools, as far away as Worcester, Wolverhampton all experiencing in increasing measure the blessings of God's coming kingdom through us. Person to person, person by person. Are you excited by that vision? 
And let me tell you, that is what gets me up in the morning. That, that is, I'll be really honest with you, that's what I'm here. That is what I'm here for. Not here to muck about. Not here to just play at being nice church together. We are here for purpose. God has given us uh, his promises, his word, and he calls us to it. And that is what I, by his grace, I don't know how, but by his grace, that is what I want to lead us into. Okay. And, and just to say as well, I'm really pleased that we're doing this together. Okay, this is, I'm, I'm pleased that we're here, that this is us. This is, our, this is Church Central West at the end of 2017. And I, I'm, I'm happy that we're doing this together, that we're on this journey together, excited for what God's going to do. So that's all well and good. But I guess the big question is, how? How are we going to get there? And this is where we're going to land in a passage. It's a short one. Before I put it on the screen... I'd like us to learn it, because it's a really important uh, passage to memorize, and it's a really great passage about what we need. Okay, so I'd like you to repeat after me. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. One more time. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for. And certain of what we do not see. Here we have Hebrews 11 verse 1. Let's say it all one more time all together, just for fun. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. How are we going to get there? How are we going to see this big vision realized? By faith. (laughs) By faith. That's how we're going to do it. Faith is being sure that what we hope for will happen, will actually happen. Why? Because God has said it. Very, very simple. There's no extra extras to it. There's no kind of more you can say. But that is basically it. We believe it because God has said it. In Hebrews 11 verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen is not made out of what was visible. So this is talking about God having created the world. Something that the South Side are uh, have they've got their big questions today. They're talking about science and faith. Obviously, this is a massive area. How the world came about, origins. It's a big area for dispute and discussion. It's a big area that Christians have um, have, have argued and drawn lines in different places about. Not going to comment on that. But all I can say is that. What's clear from this passage, what's clear from here is that God's power is such that he can call the universe into being when there is nothing from which it's fashioned. He simply declared that it was to be, and once he said it, it was done. And whether you think that was literal seven days, whether you think um, there's room for some form of evolution, the fact is the bottom line is God created the, the world by his word. That is what it says here, and that is what we, we need to believe as Christians. So this, this illustrates that faith is, if you like, and the New Living Translation actually says in Hebrews 11 verse 1, faith is the evidence of the things we cannot see. Faith is the evidence. <laughs> we know that the proposition is true and valid because of faith. It's quite alien to, to our society because our society is very evidence-based. You don't think, you know, seeing is believing. That's what our society says. If, there's tr- if you can prove something, then you believe it. If you can't prove it, then you don't believe it. 
And, you know, there's, there is some wisdom in that approach. But here, what, what the Bible clearly says is, is, is faith is the evidence. And the thing is, with each of us, we're here because God has revealed it to our hearts sovereignly. God, is, God has given us faith. Faith is a gift from him. As Jesus said, he's hidden it from the wise and learned and revealed it to little children. That's us, isn't it? <laughs> we're not here because we're wise and learned, although many of us are, but we're here because God has revealed it to our hearts. So faith is believing God on the basis of God's word alone, not on the evidence of what we can see with our physical eyes. And that's really important because if we look with our physical eyes, we can see a lovely group of people, but perhaps we can't see a full room. We can't see you know, people being saved, added, baptised, all of those things with our physical eyes. It's through the eyes of faith that we see those things because of what God has said. So what I'd like to encourage us to do is to increasingly organize our whole lives around what God has said. Okay, that's your, that's your take-home point. <laughs> Not a very big one. <laughs> but when we live by faith, our every decision is informed by that, by, by God's word, by what he has said. And we're living... As it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we're living by faith and not by sight. And that's what he calls us to live. So faith is something we desperately need as a foundation on which to live. And if we live by faith in God's promises, then that's how we're going to see this big vision come to pass. So faith is the answer. But then the next question is, okay, well, how do you get faith? How do you grow in faith? How do you go from where you are now to perhaps where you, you want to be? And, and if you're anything like me, you can sometimes feel quite weak in this area. You know, some days you wake up and you feel like you can move mountains. Other days you wake up and you, you feel like your faith is pretty weak and threadbare. So we're just going to do some practical advice from uh, the book of Hebrews. Um, and I've no idea what time is, but we've just got three short points and they are going to be short. Anyway, give us a time check. 10.25, right, I'm going to be quick. <laughs> okay. So the first thing, so, here's, so this is where it gets practical. Three practical things that we can do um, in order to grow in faith towards this great vision. So, from Hebrews 11, the fir- uh, the, this famous chapter on faith, first thing we can do is we can follow the examples of those that have gone before. Hebrews 11 is a long chapter, and it's a marvellous chapter. We haven't got time to go into it today, but I really encourage you to read it. It basically goes through, uh, tracks through the Bible, and explains how all of these people that have done amazing things in God did them by faith. And the pattern, it says, by faith, Abraham did such and such. By faith, Moses did such and such. Um, And why did the author use all these examples? Why, Why was he using this to talk about faith? I think it's because God knows that faith is one of those things that's really best learnt by example. God knows that. An example from my life, when I was a, a child, I had um, saxophone lessons, and I started having saxophone lessons with a peripatetic teacher that came to our school. Um, she was a flute teacher, uh, and she kind of was okay at the saxophone, but she wasn't wonderful at the saxophone. <laughs> and uh, so I kind of I got so far... Uh, and then she she went off. Um, she 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 stopped working at our school, and then I swapped. I found a saxophone lesson, and this guy he uh, his dad had been an amazing sax player. He like played with Ella Fitzgerald and people like this. He was like this amazing kind of name in in that world. So so this guy had a heritage, and he was an, this guy himself was an amazing jazz saxophonist. 
And when I started having lessons with him, it, I, m my ability just shot through the roof because I was inspired by someone who had, had gone before and who, who, who knew what they were doing. And it's a bit like that in anything in life. If, you, if, you, you know, if you're mentored or you're coached by someone who's good at what they do, you will get better at, 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 at what you do. You probably found that in your working life or in other examples. So when it comes to being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, it's the same. Um, it's, it's no different. We learn from those that have gone before us. We learn from that great cloud of witnesses that is talked about in Hebrews 11. I just want to particularly encourage you, if you want to delve into this passage more and find out more, um, I couldn't recommend this book highly enough um, by R.T. Kendall. It's called Believing God. Uh, and believing God is how he defines faith from this passage. Very simply, faith is believing God. And he goes through and um, expounds on each of the different examples and gives you loads of great, solid stuff and teaching. Uh, and um, if you want to go a bit deeper, recommend that book. Uh, and that will, will help you and stir you and inspire you uh, as you think about living by faith. Also, what about reading biographies? There's some great books out there, some great stories of, of, of Christians that have done amazing things through time. Read a biography of John Wesley or, or of, uh, of, of, I don't know, Joni Erickson Tada or, or of Heidi Baker or, um, uh, you know, the list goes on. There's, there's amazing biographies and stories out there. Or even others in the church, if there's people that you feel like, you know, they're, they're, they're strong in faith in that area, I'd love to find out a bit more about how they live. Let's, let's start conversations between each other. Faith is like a muscle. You have to flex it. So let's help each other to flex our faith muscles. Okay, so number one, follow the examples of those that have gone before. Number two, get on board with God's vision. So there's something about faith where you have to actually say, okay, God, I'm going with this. I'm going with this vision. And, and really for us to get where we need to get to, we need us, us all to do that. Back to the question, like, what are you looking forward to? What are you hoping for for the future? I, I'd say as, as a Christian, you need to have an answer for that question that lines up with what God has said. Um, so not just, okay, I'm, I want this and I want that. I'm, I'm hoping for this. I'm praying for this. Perhaps that's just limited to your own life. But get a bigger vision. Get God's vision for your life. Because if you get God's vision for your life, then you'll really be living and also, of course, Jesus taught us to pray, your will be done. I mean, there's so much more on, on this. I'm, I'm glossing over this, really. But just, just to say, like, this is the best way to live. In surrender. In, in giving your life, in laying your life down and saying to Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. In Psalm 37, it says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desire. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. Amazing promise from God. And, and if you've never really done that, I'd encourage you to do it, even today. Or if you know that you're harboring something, you're saying, well, okay, I'm living for God, but there's a few conditions, you know? There's a few conditions. Uh, yes, God, I'll live for you, but if you'll do this, 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 and this. And it's hard because we, we all get tempted to think like that. But the, the real challenge of discipleship is saying, Jesus, whatever you want, I'm laying it all down. Just like those fishermen did. They laid it all down. They just dropped their nets and followed Jesus. That's what he calls us to, that kind of complete surrender. 
And if you do that, then you give space for God to give you the vision for your life. Again, there's loads more I could say on that, but um, that'll do for now. Final thing that faith also involves is keeping on believing what God has said. Perseverance. Perseverance is, is huge when it comes to thinking about faith. Uh, and faith has this quality about it of perseverance, of endurance, of keeping on believing, although you can't see, and often in spite of the evidence. And that, that, that's what some of these examples in Hebrews 11 talk about. So, so Abraham, you know, he changed his name to father of many, even though he was basically impotent, he couldn't have children. He changed his name to father of many. <laughs> that's faith. That's faith. And he kept on believing, he kept on believing, he kept on believing. Sarah, his wife, was into her 90s when God told her that she'd give birth. And when it eventually happened. So she kept on believing. And it says in verse 13 that all these people were still living by faith when they died. You carry on, you carry on, you keep believing. It's not a one-off action. It's something that we do again and again. Just like that muscle that we need to flex. If you don't use a muscle, it wastes. If you do use a muscle, it gets strong. And in Hebrews 10.35, just before this section on faith, it says this. So do not throw away your confidence it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. It's an encouraging reminder that perseverance is so important. We need to keep going. We need to keep going. We need to be in it for the long haul. So, just to, just to wrap, wrap us up then. God's given us big vision. It is where he's taking us. It's going to be great. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be messy. It's going to be challenging. But this is where he wants to take us. And in order to do it, we need to learn more and more to live by faith. And in order to grow in our faith, we need to feed on the examples of others that have gone before us. We need to get God's vision for our life. And we need to persevere. We need to keep going. So, what part will you play? What I've almost got a little game here. Um, I call it Hebrews 11 Hangman. Um, by faith, your name did what? <laughs> what? What? What will your kind of what will it? What would it say about you if you were included on that list? Um, now, and that's a big question. We don't have to think about your. It's not like your epitaph, like your entire life's work. What about just in this next season? What, what part will you play? What, what, what will you do by faith? What will you bring? Because now what you could say, bringing it close, closer to us as, as a church, you know, or, or, or more recent times you could say by faith, I don't know, someone recent, Billy Graham, you know, led millions of people to, 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 to the Lord who is preaching. By faith, Heidi Baker saw hundreds of thousands of uh, broken um, children in, in uh, Mozambique, fed and come to, the, come to know the Lord, healed. By faith, Jonathan and Helen Bell, at the age of 26, three months after getting married, moved to Birmingham to plant this church. They could count the number of people they knew in the city on one hand, but God had spoken to them and called them. That's a pretty good one, isn't it? And, that, and that, we're here because of that. So, what has God put in your heart? What dreams, visions, 
words. Maybe it might be by faith. You kept praying. You kept inviting your housemate. You kept believing for them. By faith, you kept clinging to God even though you'd been through personal turmoil. And by faith, you brought your hurts, your fears, and your uncertainties to God because you refused to believe that God was against you. Maybe that's the battle for you in this season. And that's fine. It's not all about storming the earth and sort of taking the, the city for Jesus. Sometimes faith can just be about standing, standing through a difficult time. By faith, little old you and little old me can do great things together because we have the promises of God. Just finally, practically, what might this look, up, look like? A couple of weeks ago, Jonathan gave us a challenge, both men and women, to step up. Step, stepping up in, in leading, in serving, being prepared to step out of your comfort zone. Uh, perhaps that might mean you know, talking to people you don't know on a Sunday morning. Perhaps it might mean kind of altering your Sunday routine, o- o- opening your home, practicing some hospitality. Perhaps it might mean uh, coming to our a prayer meeting, which we have. We have a, a site prayer meeting next week, by the way, next Sunday evening. Come along to that. Perhaps it might just be keep, keep on going, not giving up on God. Perhaps it might mean stepping up um, to serve. We've got lots of serving opportunities in our serving teams. If you, if you don't already serve on a Sunday, you'd like to get involved, we'd love to invite you to do that. Lots of ways we can. Let's, let's, let's just uh, finish in prayer.